Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson. And I'm Tara Zajak. Hi, Tara. How are you tonight? You know, lovely fall day in Victoria. No complaints. Turned out spectacular. I know. I'm almost uh, sad to be in your windowless basement currently, but it's dark out now. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what's happening out there? The bomb shelter is the recording studio. <laughs> we just put up a lot of cushions and things like that to absorb, absorb the sound. Um, but we are here uh, doing a show. We just finished recording with three members of uh, each of the lodges here in Victoria. A nice treat. It was, it was great. Uh, some have been on the show before. I think uh, we tried to reach Jeff Dorian by phone many, many, many uh, shows ago, but we did speak to Ed May uh, last summer um, on a call out, a cold call. And uh, we have a, um, a new exciting guest, uh, uh, Sam Sherman, Samantha Sherman of uh, Bastion 4 was mm-hmm. with us. Yeah, it was great. And uh, I'd like them all to come again at some point. Lots of they feel were, like we hit the tip of the iceberg. Yes, they were all eloquent, uh, tons of experience yep. amongst them, even though uh, Bastion is a new lodge. Uh, we had the, uh, the topic today is, uh, is organization within Odd Fellows and uh, how it differs from a professional organization or a company. And then we also, uh, we bleed into another couple of the subjects, which you pick up there. Yeah, well, I th- yeah, and I think to, to reframe, it's it's sort of like, you know, you have a collection of volunteers and how much rigor do you put on folding it into a business type uh, structure or not? And where do you su- see success and what do you let go and how do you get the best out of people? So we hit a little bit on onboarding. We hit a little bit about um, whether or not um, setting a, a, a mantra for the year or whatever makes sense talk about the important leadership role of Noble Grands and the effect that can have. So I think even if you're new to Odd Fellowship or have been around for a while, there's some good nuggets of interest. And I think if you've ever been part of a different volunteer organization, um, some of the trials and tribulations are, are somewhat universal because again, you, you know, are you deciding by consensus? Are you deciding by voting? How does that work? So I think there's a, a broad application to what we talked about today. Yeah. And the topic was interesting to me from the standpoint of coming from a very rigorous and structured organization that I work under. And I kind of enjoy that. And so when I met up with Oddfellows and Oddfellows came into my life and I came into Columbia 2's life, the, you know, kind of grappling with how different it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciate that it's different because if somebody was just leaving one corporate environment and moving into another one, then it might not be that much fun to be the volunteer in that other corporate environment mm. that's odd fellows. Um, so, uh, but for me, I dig it. I love that sort of thing. I'm kind of a nerd that way. I love bylaws. I love <laughs> process. <laughs> and that's great. And that's great. Exactly. <laughs> Someone has to. Yeah, somebody has to. Well, we'll uh, we will let you know that at the end, there's some interesting things that are talked about at each of the lodges. So if you're here in Victoria, if you if you're a member here in Victoria, stick around till the end because each of the uh, panelists, I guess, uh, tell us something that's going on in their lodge that's very interesting and exciting to do. Yeah, it's a new segment called Shameless Plugs. Shameless Plugs. <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope you enjoy. Uh, we have uh, Jeff Dorian from Columbia Number Two, Samantha Sherman from Bastion Lodge Number Four, and Ed May from Victoria Lodge Number One. All right. Enjoy. Enjoy. Okay. Well, welcome to this segment. We've got a roundtable all set up with our lovely guests and friends of Victoria Odd Fellows. Hello, friends. Are on video. We're going to make them wave to us. And uh, today we have a member of each of our three lodges here in Victoria, Victoria one, Columbia number two, and Bastion four. And uh, I'll just do a quick who you're going to hear from. And then uh, I will let each of these people uh, give us a little spiel about uh, their years in Odd Fellowship, you know, the offices you've held 
and um, and then tell us what you do as a profession. So let's start with uh, Lodge by Lodge. Let's do Victoria Lodge. Number one is Ed May. Columbia Lodge is Jeff Dorian. And Bastion Lodge is Samantha Sherman. So Samantha, why don't you start? Okay. So I, my positions as an odd fellow, um, I started out, I guess my first appointed position was as a left scene support. And then uh, I was right support to the vice grand. And I am currently vice grand. Great. And do you want to hear about public service now? Or do you want to? Yeah, tell us what you do as a day gig. Okay, uh, I work for the Ministry of Finance um, for the province of British Columbia. I have been with the province since 2006. So I'm on my 15th year here, 16th. Um, I have always been in the same ministry, although when we started out, we were the Ministry of Small Business and Revenue. And then that, um, as we are wont to do in the province, we did a shuffle and uh, the Revenue Division moved to the Ministry of Finance. So I've always been with the Revenue Division um, and now with the Ministry of Finance. I um, have done a few, worn a few different hats. I started out as a rulings analyst doing PST rulings. So people will write in and they ask about the PST, the different consumption taxes, and I would write back and tell them how the tax applied. And then I moved on to um, a management position um, with the contract management office which manages, uh, managed one of the large alternative service delivery deals that the province has uh, with, a, with the private sector. And that was our um, deal for, um, with, well, it's been through many iterations, but it, it was um, called EDS Advanced Solutions. And they did revenue collection for the province, um, among other things. And I was with that office for, eight years. Um, when I left there, I was the director of contract changes. And uh, I'm now back, I moved back to rulings uh, as their director. So the director of policy rulings and services um, for the consum consumer taxation programs branch, which deals with the consumption taxes, um, dealing with policy. So the legislation for the tax acts, um, the team that writes the rulings, the team in Vancouver that answers the phone calls um, to the public calling in, asking questions. Um, and I was there for five years and I just recently moved over to the tax appeals and litigation branch. So I'm now an appeals director um, looking at tax appeals, mainly for the Speculation and Vacancy Tax Act. So people appealing their assessments under that act, which has been very interesting so far. I've been there for two months. Oh, um, and I am a lawyer by training, um, but I'm not a lawyer for the province. Um, but certainly the background has come in handy doing working with tax and litigation as I do. Wow. Well, awesome. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Ed, why don't we have you go next? Uh, sure. Um, I can't remember the year I joined the Odd Fellows. I want to say maybe 2016, maybe uh, one give or take a year either way. Um, I've been the conductor, secretary, vice grand, noble grand, now the past grand for Victoria One, and uh, also spent uh, a couple of two or three years on the board of union um, uh, for for all the, uh, for the whole lodge. And um, in terms of professionally, right now I'm the Director of Communications and Research uh, with BC Government Caucus uh, currently um, and had worked in opposition before that. I've worked in the legislature in various different, uh, mostly communications jobs um, since 2005. Uh, I've possibly also relevant to this discussion tonight, uh, in a previous life, I worked in a few different environmental non-government organizations, some very structured and very professional and very, you know, very structured organizations and a private uh, company, research company as well that's tied to uh, the environment and market chains. 
but then also some very not structured uh, consensus decision making organizations that in the in with environmental non government organizations which work obviously very differently so. Um, definitely have have worked in a real variety of structures <laughs> over the over the many, many uh, years Well, actually, I'm very young, I think so maybe not that many years but. <laughs> um, yeah and. Primarily, I run a, a team of people that do research and uh, communications and have to troubleshoot a lot for various different MLAs and and, and stuff. Cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mr. Dorian. Uh, thank you, Billy. Uh, so Jeff Dorian, I've been an odd fellow since 2008. Um, I was actually brought into the lodge by uh, another member, Scott Aitchison. Brought me into the lodge. He said, "You're going to love this place. Uh, you'll love the fraternity. You'll love the uh, the service community aspects." But then he showed me the ceremonial hall in Victoria, and that pretty much sealed the deal. And if that didn't, the pool tables did. So I was pretty much sold. Uh, initiated in 2009. Um, spent the first two years uh, just a, as a um, just a member going to meetings, and then uh, started to take on different positions. Went through the chairs and was noble grand of Columbia Number Two in 2013. Did a stint on the Board of Union from about 2011 to uh, 2014, roughly. Uh, did three or four years there. Um, was a, a district deputy grand master, uh, sat with the, uh, the BC Grand Lodge. Um, still an active director of the one of the um, property committees for the BC uh, Grand Lodge as well. And uh, professionally, um, uh, right now I work for the, the BC province as well as the director of business modernization and analytics. So I work for the Ministry of Social Development and Poverty Reduction. Uh, in short, for the Work BC problem, uh, problem, problem, program, Work BC program for those that are in BC. Um, been in various ministries since 2004. I've been with the province. Uh, I was working in uh, IT before that. Uh, been an entrepreneur along the way as well. Uh, trained in project management, PMP. Uh, my master's is in organizational development. I've been an IT project manager, I've done research and policy work, uh, done data governance, um, sort of change management activities, a whole host of different things. So soup to nuts. Wow, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Do you and I want to do a little two minute each? We should probably do because we haven't really talked much about ourselves in a while. <laughs> Everyone wants to hear that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So totally. our guests are very interesting, but we're always here. So sure. I'll go first. Yep. So I work uh, for local government. I'm almost eight years in and I work in communications. So um, I used to work for the district of Saanich, which is the largest municipality on the island. And then now I'm the communications manager for the township of Esquimalt and working somewhere smaller. Uh, soup to nuts. Jeff is a great uh, description because working somewhere small like that, it's everything from graphic design and issues management to uh, you know, crisis comms and all that kind of fun stuff. So definitely dealing with a lot of different organizational structures. So I have uh, been a project manager uh, with a high tech company here in Victoria for the last, I don't know, call it four years. I've been with the company for 20 years and uh, have had many different roles. Uh, the company is a very large company. There's 180,000 people that work for my company worldwide. And uh, every type of hierarchy and reorg has been uh, flexed upon our little Victoria office here. And there's uh, 300 people here in Victoria. Um, I'll mention that before that, I was in the completely unstructured world of uh, working as a country club golf professional for a very long time. Uh, most of my years after university, getting a great degree that I used playing golf every day. Um, it was, it was fantastic. My parents loved it. But we're going to hear talk about Odd Fellows as a organizational uh, group because every uh, lodge, every uh, committee uh, requires some form of organization. And I'm going to talk mostly from my perspective on things. And we will uh, ask our guests to talk about their perspective. No, no name names, no no dirty laundry type stuff. We'll keep it pretty uh, pretty clean for everyone listening. But the the point of using experience uh, could be really valuable for a number of lodges out there. Uh, whether those lodges are great big ones in California that might be uh, 50, 60, 100 uh, more people uh, to smaller lodges in other parts of the country that might be just still trying to figure out things 
um, and possibly new lodges that have uh, cropped up. And, and that's something that happened a lot in 2020 is we uh, in, instituted a lot of new lodges in the US. Um, probably a couple dozen have started out and those are new, young, vibrant, energized lodges um, that might be just themselves trying to figure out organization. And so from my perspective, I was thinking that this was a big good topic because I've come from this very structured, uh, very hierarchical, I said it right the first time, uh, organization, but uh, I come to Oddfellows and hey, there's the organization of officers, but then there's just all these people that are keen volunteers or just keen participants. And uh, getting ourselves organized can be very different depending on the lodge and the experience and the establishment of what's been done before. So I think you three have a keen experience in doing things in your own lodges. That might be a message that we can give out to um, other, other lodges. So I have, a, I have a question that kind of starts us off after all that rambling. You ready? What was your impression of Oddfellows operations when you arrived as a new member? Ed, we'll start with you. I think that uh, I, was, I was somewhat impressed by the, the, the structure that it was clear. They had different names, obviously, from chairs or presidents. Uh, you know, you, instead of a chair or president, you had a noble grand and vice grand. The vice part was easy to figure out. Um, but aside from the different names, I think it's a, it's a fairly familiar structure gen in really general terms uh, to what you would see on a board of directors or, or either through a, even in a private company uh, versus a, or a, a non-government organization or anything. So that part was familiar. I think the one part that I found very confusing was the, um, the greater structure of the odd fellows. Like what the heck was the patriarch militant? What was, what was the board of union? What, what, what were all these different sub bodies? And, and, and I had no idea what that was. And it took me quite a while to figure that, that piece out. But I think the general structure of a lodge made sense to me, I thought. Um, I found, I was quite impressed with um, how much such a small, because Bastion Four was a, quite a small lodge um, when I joined a few years ago, um, it was quite a small group of people. Uh, I was impressed with what they were able to accomplish for a lodge that size. Um, you know, I attended a lot of events before I joined, um, and I always just thought they were so smooth and well run, and as well as being fun and, you know, actually. Um, making money for charity. So I, I was impressed with that before I even joined. Um, upon joining, having sat on other boards before, I guess I, I did have some sense of how, you know, how things were running with, a, with the Noble Grand being the president and the Vice Grand being the VP and, you know, those kind of positions. I also, um, I did my first year of law school at UBC and I had joined a sorority there. Um, so I, I had some, it was, it, it's a bit, being a fraternal organization, um, it, it, there were some similar some similarities, you know, the initiation and the, <laughs> the rites and the rituals and the things like that. So I did have some experience with those things as well. The also I was the par, I was the parliamentarian um, at my sorority, so that so you know the rules, uh, Robert's rules and things like that. Um, I already had some familiarity with, and again being on other boards. So yeah, I felt like I I felt like I fit right in <laughs> when I joined. I felt at home. I very I felt very much at home when I joined. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, the first two years I was in Lodge, I was sitting there in Lodge going to the meetings every time <clears throat> for the first probably year or so, just trying to get a handle on all the positions. The structure was there. Um, like I said, the Lodge operations are pretty well documented and they're all there with all the, the chairs and the rules. I mean, the organization's hundreds, hundreds of years old, right? That part of it was good for a, for a new member, just trying to figure out what's going on there. Um, my eyes really opened when we uh, started to try and achieve more through committees and when I joined the board. Um, so the Board of Unions, so this group that manages the, the financial and property aspects of the Victoria Lodges, for those listeners that aren't uh, in the Victoria area, um, deals with all the sort of the professional aspects of that. And, and that was the part where you recognized a, sort of a need for, for I won't say professionalism, but um, tactics and structure that 
could have been um, improved at the time that I was on on the board. So it was a bit of an eye opener for me on that front. Um, in our lodge uh, at the time, it's probably the second year into the lodge. We had a great lodge secretary. He he'd been around several years in the lodge. He was fantastic, very well organized. Um, but it was pre digitization for our lodge, so um, so that was a piece again about sort of the, the maturity or the professionalism, the journey that you go on as an organization to get there. Uh, that that hadn't happened yet, and, and did a subsequently start start to occur over the uh, the subsequent years. Those are probably the, the the big points in terms of my initial um, experience in the lodge, in terms of um, what I saw. Uh, the other the other piece that I'll mention is, and this might be interesting for lodges that are maybe smaller and growing, um, but. Uh, in the first few years that I was uh, involved with the lodge, um, we were putting on more fundraising events. We were using our hall more, a um, lot more traffic going through the hall that wasn't just members and their and their closest friends or family. Um, and so we needed to figure out the legalities of running uh, events with larger groups. Um, you know, you've got uh, in some cases you had the sale of alcohol in the lodge. You need to figure out the legalities around that and the insurances and the policies and things there. So. Um, we sort of start to have to tackle those issues more on the board of union because of the, the property impact. But uh, certainly there was a, a journey there, sort of a journey into the professionalism side that um, that we started to walk through. Um, but first, first thoughts out of the gate, yeah, the organization had a lot of structure in terms of its orders of business, so to speak. Um, but that was sort of where it ended. The rest of it was based on leadership and acumen after that. So, you know, us sitting here or coming into... Uh, the lodge is a new member with a certain amount of experience in these type of formalized structures. But what is your maybe your observation on the greater onboarding process? And yes, you can have the handbooks that talk about what the um, Noble Grand and Vice, et cetera, that does. But in terms of meetings running efficiently, um, when someone's allowed to make a motion, seconding, discussion, all those little bits and bobs that are useful for the greater membership to understand so that they understand how decisions are being made when they can speak up and have a meeting that needs to go for an hour, not go two hours because everything's all helter skelter. So have, yeah, any either advice for improvement or what you experienced? Cause for me, it was a big fire hose. And I think you're right, Jeff. I spent most of those first couple of years of meetings just like, knowing when to stand up and sit down and and those finer details weren't registering for me because there's so much else going on so how do you suggest navigating around that i can i can tackle that one a little bit um i'll say just over my period of uh my experience in the autos in the last whatever it is 12 13 years here um leadership is what makes the difference and that's what bakes the culture in so i've seen the same book that everybody's holding every single year and who's ever um running the lodge at that time, whatever acumen they bring to the table, however they want to set that culture. If a meeting goes an hour, a meeting goes an hour. If you're going to enforce Robert's rules, enforce Robert's rules. And it's, I mean, it's more than that, but that's sort of the the, the pieces in the equation that seem to shift over time that I think are, are important to keep in mind. So if you've got leadership, then you're sitting in lodge and the meetings are going two hours, you know, that's something to look at. Maybe you need to stand up and um, let the noble brand or the vice brand know, hey, maybe there's maybe this is impacting as you go back and talk about the onboarding side of things. You know, that's an important consideration, right? Folks might not want to sit through a two hour meeting to get all the business done. And there might be a more efficient way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that rests with leadership and that adoption of a particular culture. Um, yeah, I you're I know what you're I know what you're getting at. Um, I think there was it was tough when I when I first came in. Um, you know, you don't get a red book right away. Mm -hmm. So um, you're a little bit, you just kind of go and you start watching what people are doing um, and try to get the, try to understand <laughs> how you fit in and, um, you know, what the rules are because you don't, you don't have a red book. Uh, there was a little, um, a little book that we were given that had the, the, uh, the songs and the, and the valediction so that we could um, basically follow along with that and the rules of order. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, it was, it did feel like we were a little bit in the dark um, first coming in as initiates. And um, I, I think what, I think it would be really helpful to have like a policy manual in place and actually Debbie and I are working on that. <laughs> so the Noble Grand uh, of before and I um, have 
met on that and are trying to get something together um, that talks about, you know, the things that are left out of the red book, like how we get business done. Um, all, any questions um, that people might have trying to put those out, you know, think about what we what we didn't know and what we were wondering when we started and put that all into a manual um, that doesn't have to be changed, you know, at an AGM the way the bylaws do, um, but that can be just kept up to date and, you know, over the years. So that I think that is something that that could be really helpful um, to the lodges. Yeah, and there wasn't again as before was a new lodge. There was you know we had a set of bylaws, but they weren't kind of tried and tested yet. Um, we've we've had to you know we've done some updating to them. We're still doing updates to them as we go. There was certainly some. I think there still is some churn from year to year around you know who need, who needs to file the annual report how do you file the annual report how do you um you know who sets up the bc id and how, like you know all these things that are to do with accounting and financials and how do they you know, smoothly transfer from year over year um, it's not really written out anywhere for us so we're kind of getting some of that structure in place so that it is more seamless and people coming into the roles have something, have a, a reference, a frame of reference. And I'll just add to really quickly that if you're a member at large, you don't even know that these things need to be done. You know, mm. you show up to the hall every meeting, room <laughs> looks beautiful, everyone's there, stuff just works. You're like, oh, this is easy. And then you get in the position and you realize how much work goes into keeping things legitimate in terms of the registration of the province, Keep, well, keeping the lights on all the building stuff, but like even just the uh, individual lodges paperwork and that's not everyone's jam. So like God love people who do that because that's not necessarily something that every member wants to do, but it's, it's a lot, like it is quite a bit of work. Yeah, and before I make an assumption, did you, uh, Victoria One has, uh, I, I don't wanna say it's been a, a slower transition of people, but there's people that I know have been there for a long time. So what was your onboarding like even recently? Because you joined in 2016, five years ago. So was there something in place uh, that you were able to pick up as Noble Grant? Yeah, we had, um, we have a little program, uh, just kind of uh, riffing off what Sam was saying. We have a little program that we put out each year that has all the positions. It doesn't have a description of the positions, but they're, but those things are there and it has a little bit of info as well as the valediction and the membership list and all those things. That definitely helps. It's something that you can kind of flip through quick. You can't flip through the red book very fast, um, but that helps. Uh, definitely though, as Jeff was saying, leadership is a key, key thing. Like we've had a, a lot of different, there's a big switch over of the Noble Grants every year. It switches except for once when the person that was gonna step in couldn't do it at the last second. So, so uh, somebody had to do it two years in a row. But that leadership really makes a huge difference. You know, somebody who knows the rules really helps the, move, the meetings go along uh, for sure, but also helps you understand you'll, you, clearly how, how it all works. And different years, you have people that have, you know, different strengths. They might be really good on the social side of things, but maybe not so great at the structured meeting side of things, you know, and um, and might be really good welcoming personality, but not the let's get down to business type personality. And, and so striking that balance is... Um, really big. I do like, I think the, the progression of positions is extremely important. I've definitely seen some people jump maybe a little too fast forward and maybe haven't quite nailed all the various different things of the lodge before they get into a, a sort of more responsible position. And so, you know, it helps going from warden before, before going to conductor kind of thing. And then the last thing I would say that I think it really lends to a huge amount of stability is, while I don't think it's a problem switching over some of the positions like Noble Grand year to year and Vice Grand year to year, uh, the more stable your secretary and your financial people yeah. are, those positions, I think it's really ill-advised to switch over every year. I did yeah. the secretary for one year and I felt like I was just starting to really get it by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, so I broke my own sort of rule there <laughs> by moving on after one year. But uh, 
but uh, I think that you know that that those positions really need the stability. But I still think um, I don't think there's a big problem switching over the other uh, roles because people burn out. Like because as you pointed out at the very very beginning, there it's a volunteer based thing, and uh, it's just hard to keep somebody there for a long time on a volunteer basis. So that leads into the question that I wonder about organizing a volunteer organization when you have the um, in a in your professional life we have the prioritization of everything that's supposed to be in front of us as an organization um, whether you're trying to develop a new program or you're trying to get better communication or you're trying to reduce the number of uh, of items in a queue for a uh, an ombudsman or somebody who's processing um, claims or uh, challenges and so forth. So you have these somewhat metricy kind of goals or some objectives. Oddfellows doesn't unless your leadership puts it in place. So do you, do do you see that working in the organization that's completely volunteer, um, a major challenge that changes? the mindset that we should have as members like should we be tolerant of uh things just taking longer a theme that came up in both samantha and ed's uh comments there and and billy i know something that we've worked on in our own lodge is this idea the playbook what is your operations manager if you come into uh any organization like for profit or otherwise and your fundamental task so in this case the secretary a secretary is going through the first year they're like I don't know, I think I'm grabbing about 70% of this, but I know I'm missing things that I should be doing. And so until you get to that space where your operations are running smoothly and there's a doctrine and a way to communicate that to those that have to do those rules with enough specificity that, you know, that it can transition past the individual with the position, right? And keep and keep going. That's that's the the starting point. But that takes a lot of effort and it takes the leadership to go that's a priority we gotta we gotta work with the secretary to make sure this is all written down and we know what our playbook is or you know we know what our program for the year is at least and and who we should be contacting things like i mean i think we were talking about the um you know whether it's uh being in good standing with the societies act or submitting your dues to the sovereign grand lodge and making sure that these things are dealt with uh, at the moment that comes down to writing it down and making sure that the next person along knows that. And so that's sort of step one in managing your operations so that you can allow the leadership sort of some space to do it the way that they want, but the fundamentals are dealt with. And that theme has come up about every two years as I've been in Lodge um, to just sort of maybe two or three years to sort of say, okay, we got to write this down so the next secretary that comes and knows all this stuff, right? And it gets better and better every couple of years. Um, I know certainly in our Lodge, that's something that we've tried to chip away at um over over time but uh, i would say that's a foundational piece that in every organization they have to get to that uh place where it's um there's a common understanding of your basic operations and it doesn't reside in the re in the in the book the way that we um think about odd fellows business that's part of it but as samantha was saying that's not the whole picture so yeah as as to your question you know how are we okay with how having things take longer <laughs> i think we kind of you kind of have to be um when you're when you're working with volunteers um you know yeah. you it's it's a it's a huge i don't want to say it's a huge well it is a huge time commitment <laughs> it's a time commitment let's just say that i guess it's it depends on on how big a time commitment you you know you make it and that's the that's the thing is some people have more time to to devote uh than others um but you know, especially when you're coming from a, a lodge that's just picking up steam and that is quite small, it doesn't have a ton of third degrees um, to even take on these positions. You know, you're you're going to get whoever can put their hand up or is willing to put their hand up, and so you just have to, you know, you get what you get. And everyone, I know everyone tries their best, um, but some people, yeah, have more time to devote or are more keen or just have less, you know emergencies cropping up in their life whatever it is we all have tons of other things to deal with and usually people who volunteer are people that are always you know that that are always putting their hand up and saying yes to things so yeah. we tend to sit on several boards and have all sorts of other irons in the fire so that's just how it goes <laughs> and you're nodding your head quite a bit go ahead yeah i mean i think if you if the question is you know about whether it works as a volunteer organization or or how do we make it work I mean, ultimately, the only alternative is paid positions. And I think that you would get into a whole host of other problems if you started 
uh, structuring it like having specific paid positions if they especially if they were paid positions where somebody's making a job out of it because what would end up happening and I've seen it happen in a lot of the organizations is that once you have a paid position or two the board members and the volunteers start to immediately uh, have way less of their hands and everything because you've got people that are paid to do that and you can just rely on those people and so i don't think there's any problem with it being a, an almost entirely volunteer based organization it just means that for sure you've got to uh, let people step up when they do have the time and energy let them step back when they don't have the time and energy and make sure you've got other people there in the waiting and for sure of course uh, for b4 especially in the early formative years that's going to be absolutely limiting um, and as some of the lodges dwindle in numbers it becomes more difficult you know and, and the way to keep that going is to have new people coming in as well as people are fading out and that's you know of course easier said than done but that's where the importance of culture and uh, the fraternal aspect uh, really comes into play um, you know you can't just be all business all the time and um, yeah but I mean the other thing I wanted to mention too is around just to dip back a little bit to the decision making thing is that you know, the other important when you've got a, a small group, I think, like Jeff pointed out with the Board of Union or some of the committees, you know, you have sometimes a bit of a better option to maybe do something like decide on things by consensus when you're in a really small group and mm -hmm. consensus works great when you're all on the same page. It works so great when you're all on the same page and in a small group. But it, you know, as soon as you start having a differing opinion on something, that's when it becomes very difficult and sometimes unsurmountable. And, and so I personally very much uh, appreciate the structure of the Oddfellows and how it works. And, um, and actually, there was a Sex Pistols were in the news just the other day because they've been operating by consensus and making uh, agreement. You know, everybody agreeing on everything they do. Now, this new this new biopic or, or um, biography movie coming out. And there was this issue of the rights to their music in in the um, uh, film, I think it was, and two of them really wanted to have the music and say, okay, yeah, let them have the music in the film, and Johnny Rotten did not. And so suddenly the consensus decision making fell apart, and in the end they had a vote, Johnny Rotten lost, and he's really ticked off. But, I mean, it, it just goes to show that it... it you know it can work for years but as soon as you get in a disagreement then that falls apart so i very much appreciate and think that sometimes when you know if you've got to get work done sometimes you need that structure and, and i think it's important to keep that structure and the board of unions sometimes does it works by consensus as much as possible but occasionally you have to have a vote so what what's your advice then or where have we seen successes because i think burnout is a very real possibility regardless of the size of your lodge sometimes the momentum around certain groups of people gets created where now all of a sudden they're the guy or they're, they're the girl that like does this and that's kind of like their thing and and they might be doing it successfully but in their head they're like gosh damn it <laughs> like I don't want to keep doing this anymore but you have someone in the wings who might be capable but they are whatever an artist by trade or something that doesn't think they're good at business because and I'm doing bunny ears um because they haven't done that before so how do you how do you create and again I think leadership is probably an answer but curious if you have an examples um create an environment where you facilitate people coming in new succession planning for these important positions that isn't necessarily reliant on someone's business acumen but you can still get them trained up within the framework of odd fellows because I've, I've been part of other volunteer organizations as well and and it's really neat to see someone who never thought they'd be able to do xyz because of their outside professional work but now all of a sudden they are so any thoughts on that uh one of the considerations is something i've seen more actively in our lodge in the last few years is um really pushing new members in particular to be part of committees right out of the gate like you're a new member that's great now get actively involved you choose whatever you want to get involved in it's it's this way of someone to show their interest in an area uh, test it out, maybe uh, scratch the edge, so to speak, and see if that committee works for them. But they also get to learn that activity and what has to happen without being necessarily the decision maker there. They're just, uh, just you know, they could just be the labor, so to speak, for, for that particular committee, but it gives them the exposure they need to, if that person maybe who's running that particular committee leaves, they've got a little bit of experience in that belt. So it's um, I'd say that's one side of it. The other side of it is is just trying to infuse a little bit of 
natural mentoring uh, within that committee structure as well. And just uh, making making who's ever running the committee know that it's like, you know, make sure everybody knows what's going on in this committee. So the next year when you happen to not be here, the next person along can at least figure out what's going on. So that's great. Now, Sam, with Bastion having, uh, my wife joined Bastion a couple of years after I did, and she uh, brought home a uh, some feedback from a meeting that was like, whoa, they're, they're building all these committees. There's, uh, do you guys have the committees for this, 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 and this? And uh, guys being Columbia, and we're like, I don't think so. I mean, no one's ever asked me to be on that committee, but um, Bastion has a very... Uh, I guess, structured or at least a, a list of uh, standing committees that uh, report? Um, gee, I don't know. I mean, they've just been there. <laughs> um, you know, there's, a, there's always been a, a, a membership committee that as long as um, I've been a member, uh, as well as a, vi a visiting committee. Um, what's the other one, Tara? There's the visiting committee and the well, finance, visiting, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the the ones that are yeah, but, you know code required. But Deb Deb was talking about other committees that were um, not even event committees. They were speaking to. She was speaking to. Um, uh, there was a committee for, I guess it was socials, or there was some a group committee that was repeat. Yeah, and we we have some that are needs and project based. And yeah. as Sam said, we have some um, uh, standing ones. And for for me, I'll just. I'll let Sam, like I'll throw back to you in a sec, but just me being newer than you, I enjoyed the fact that there were some spaces that I could slot myself in when I was new that even uh, to Jeff's point, I wasn't in charge where I'm like, cool, I can just sidle in here and observe what's going on with a bit more um, interaction, but without necessarily all of a sudden being responsible for something big. And um, so yes, the visiting committee is um, members that may have um, uh, strife in their family mm -hmm. or something good, celebrations, memberships, pretty self-explanatory. And then there's a few other ones as well. Yeah, so there, we actually have not had an active finance committee, which we are just, um, I think gonna build into the bylaws. Um, Let them think we do it. <laughs> <laughs> On, I mean, Sam. we have a treasurer and a and the and the financial secretary, and they basically do have to do everything. So yeah, they do a bang up job. It, it, it is going to be, I think, it's a, you know, going to be very very helpful to have a finance committee going forward if we mm -hmm. if we do adapt that. Um, but we do have so we do have a bylaws committee. You now we've had to have that for the last couple of years because we had to do a transition of the bylaws under the old Society Act into the into the new Societies Act. Um, and so that and that has been a standing committee just because we have had some work to do on bylaws. That's my babe, that's one of my babies. <laughs> and then we have we've we have res recently we've we've had on and off a donations committee, mm. um, which we, we do think is a good idea. And we're we're trying, we've kind of resurrected it this year. Um, that kind of vets uh, suggestions for charities. Um, to, to give donations to, and we're looking at, you know, setting in kind of an amount, a yearly cap and, you know, um, the donations committee, that's the, the charities and reports out on them. Um, we also have had a, like a branding committee um, because we were coming up with our, with our logos and branding that we wanted for our lodge. So they were um, in charge of that decision-making process and, had you know did done some ordering of, of hats and sweatshirts and stuff like that for us um which was really good i don't think that so i think that committee has now been um decommitted and we have the we have the edi right now as well which one the, the inclusion equity diversity oh bit yes um yep that's another committee that that was just started this year, um, coming out of like a survey that we did and got it, get, getting some feedback on how people were feeling about how we were doing on those fronts, um, belonging, inclusivity, diversity. That mm -hmm. committee's going strong, um, so that's good. Uh, yeah, we do. We 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 strike committees where we see a need, and um, you know they report out and they yeah. they go throughout the year. So. So Ed, um, one of the things I hear um, on uh, from otherwise odd fellows is to keep your meetings to an hour is to 
send topics to be tabled at committees. Is Victoria One a lodge with uh, active committees that manage certain subjects that wouldn't uh, be discussed at a meeting? There are some, I wouldn't say a ton. Um, and I would say a lot of the committees meet, right these days, I would say the committees meet mostly just based on need, uh, similar to what Samantha was saying. Um, and I think they work in that capacity. Any set of committees work when there's a purpose and and because the purpose itself can often uh, energize people's involvement. If, you know, for example, the Societies Act, we had to redo a whole bunch of things and including bylaws and uh, about three years ago or two years ago or whatever it was. And so bylaw committees had to be struck and had to get that work done in, in order to get everything filed on time. And those kinds of committees work really well. I think that sometimes you can get too bloated with committees and you know, people already and too many more meetings than to just actually just do the work and report back kind of thing. And um, it was funny, the first thing I thought of when we started talking about a whole bunch of different committees is in, in government, there are select standing committees that uh, MLAs and ministers uh, tend to be part of mostly MLAs. And uh, there's a committee called one of the committees is called a special committee of selection. And the job of the special committee of selection is to appoint at the beginning of each parliamentary ses session to prepare and report lists of members to compose the select standing committees. So this committee's purpose is to select people for committees. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think sometimes <laughs> groups can get a little bit too caught up with that kind of stuff. And then next thing you know, you're on a bunch of committees that probably aren't even necessary at all. You could probably figure out a more streamlined way to just deal with things. And um, and and we have a finance committee, but it doesn't really meet because you've got a treasurer and financial secretary that are doing most of that work. And you've got you know trustee members that are doing work. So sometimes the, I think that's where you start to get into trouble with committees when you have too many beyond what really needs to be done and the amount of members that can really energize all those committees. I'm gonna edit this out, but the only reason why we have a real finance committee in Columbia number two is because Jeff put it in the bylaws. <laughs> and, well, that's what, I was, that's that what I'm looking at. I'm looking at your to, bylaws. And the vice <laughs> Don't edit that out. On the committee. Yeah. Really loves it. And it was like, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean the vice president's never been on a bylaw? Oh, well, it's just blah, 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 blah. so we're, we're testing it out for everybody. What it's like <laughs> to have not the, not the financial secretary and not the treasurer on the finance committee. <laughs> For the record, I think that idea came from somebody else. But <laughs> well, we're having so much fun. Um, Your own rule about not naming names. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so, uh, just for the listeners, MLA. Just a few acronyms here. MLA is a member, member uh, of a member of Legislative Assembly, which is our yeah. elected provincial representatives for our our districts, ridings, etc. Uh, so. Uh, very cool, you know, a committee to create committees. So in, in our great big company, we have a, uh, it's not, you know, it's a water cooler comment that uh, the reason there's a process is because somebody screwed up. And, you know, the reason why there's a committee is because somebody screwed up, right? You know, you, or you want something done that's really important. And as you guys all point out that the mission of a committee is important. Um, I think a mission for a lodge is also important. So I'd like to go back to the leadership step just for a moment here. Um, so when you, uh, again, when you're, you see the coming and going of odd fellow noble grands in your lodge, uh, have you any experience with preparing the noble grands for the role uh, other than procedural? Have, have noble grands come to your lodges with um, you know, a, a mission for the year or a program for the year? What things have shown some kind of leadership by your noble grands um, that help organize the volunteers? There was, a, there was a period of time in our lodge uh, where year over year, the outgoing noble grand would have a, a meeting with the incoming noble grand purposely to try and get a feel for the lodge. I mean, they'd, they'd been the vice grand in this case, so the, obviously they'd been in the lodge, but to get a feel for how, how you want to run the lodge and where they wanted to take the lodge. So it wasn't so much of a, a handoff, it was more a, a collective discussion of what's the best way to do this. And it was sort of a, um, an opportunity for the incoming noble grand to sort of to 
kind of take what the existing Noble brand had tried to do and then work with that and then give it their own spin sort of going forward. But it was, it wasn't procedural at all. It was really like, what's your vision for the year? And we actually, I think for a series of years, we had the Noble Grand write down what their what their vision or their mandate was for the year and what they wanted to accomplish, and then share that with the lodge uh, in the first meeting when they were brought in. Um, and that's I, I'm sure that went on for a good at least four or five years that I can remember anyway. Um, and then the Noble Grands that had passed on, they would then come forward to the Noble Grand that was uh, that was currently um, the incumbent and. Um, help them through that initial first couple of meetings to try and refine that vision, see what might work, might might not work based on prior experience and things like that. So there, that was a nice uh, opportunity for someone coming in to get a sense of the the prior leadership, maybe not from a from a formal perspective, but uh, a little more informal, so. Um, I, th I think sometimes you can tell when no a, a noble brand com comes in with a vision or something they want to accomplish. I'm not sure that, all, that everyone um, comes in with that, at least not in before. And I have to say, I've only, I think I've only been there for, I think we've only had, I think I'm on my fourth Noble Grand <laughs> this year. So, you know, I haven't had a ton of experience um, with it. And the first year I was kind of just, you know, taking it, trying to take everything in and, and didn't really know, have any idea what was going on mm -hmm. behind the scenes or just, a, you know, kind of a small idea of what was going on behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, I think I think with some people, I maybe could pinpoint, yeah, like this is what they did that year. Um, well, usually you you can, you know, you can think of like this was this was a big thing that they accomplished, um, and, and sometimes it's something that will carry on um, through, and sometimes it was just a really big, great event that happened, and or, you know, a lot of money was was generated for a charity. Some you know sometimes, and some of these things will carry forward, and some of them were just like a a really great one-time accomplishment, I think. But if we're running it, if we're, or whatever, if we want to put it in terms of running it like a business, is there a, you know, the, the value of putting a mission statement forward perhaps for that noble grand or something along those lines, something that like, you know, takes, takes from a strategic plan type thing. Like, okay, in this year we want to get X, Y, Z done. And at least that common thread is hopefully you know in the back of people's minds when they're looking at charity and looking at other things besides the big tasks of um the sort of the overall mandates of oddfellows but for this next 12 months um is there a benefit to setting an intention that way that's a bit more specific that lets the other folks know what direction um things should be going in ed um yeah i think it depends on what your actual mission actually is because um i know in my case that uh, there were two things that i really wanted to get done in the year as, as well actually not just as noble grand but as vice grand and noble grand i think actually the vice grand in our lodge has quite a bit of influence and can help with the direction quite a bit um it, it's been that way at least for the last three or four years anyway but the uh um one of the things was uh Come hell or high water, I was going to make our uh, rituals more progressive by the time my term ended. Uh, you know, there is some really old, outdated stuff that just is not is not relevant in any way to most of our membership. And I really didn't want to end the year uh, still doing some of the same things that made a ton of people uncomfortable. And so I wouldn't have put that in a mission because <laughs> it would have probably backfired. There were probably a lot of people would have gotten their back up if I said, I'm gonna change a whole bunch of things before this year's up. Um, but the other thing was, uh, you know, our group had done small, um, some, there were some small fundraisers, there were some really good ones, but there we hadn't really had one big, the whole lodge gets involved with a fundraiser in a, in a, in a while. We had a couple different years, but we, I really wanted to do that. Unfortunately, COVID had hit uh, just uh, a few months after I became the normal grant, so that kind of backfired, but, or stopped in its tracks anyway. So I think it depends on what it is. Um, to a degree, but but I also think that um, the one thing that really changes a lodge that that I don't think you could also capture in a mission is just someone's style and uh, approach to things because sometimes a, a, a change in someone's style can just have a, an unbelievable effect 
on the lodge. And it's again, not something you can necessarily put in a mission. Like some people just ooze charisma and pulling together people having fun. And just like, they just really do that just with their personality and their energy. And you can't really put that in a mission statement, but it's, it's a, it, it can be, you know, you get somebody like that in as your noble grand that you can really lift the spirits of the whole, whole lodge very quickly. Yeah, I think Odd Fellows, some people might argue that we already have our mission statement already written from 200 years. It's been written that way. Um, and, and the mission statement that we're talking about is, or, or the annual program is just sort of the, how, do, how you see things running daily or monthly. Um, what things are you going to see repeated? What things are you going to see that we're not doing? It's sort of a, uh, a stop, start, accelerate type. Uh, thing we just did this at work it was really cool um but you you talk about the things that you're doing and ed's ed brings up a good example where he's like okay well um there's this going on that we know makes members uncomfortable so we are going to stop doing that uncomfortable part but we're going to maintain a the the tradition so we will start doing this um and then you might have a case where your lodge is accelerating a finance uh because you had a really big event and suddenly you, um, you know, you, you found that you needed to be better at finance or at uh, event planning, et cetera, et cetera. So you accelerate those so that you don't inhibit the next one or you make the next one struggle. Um, and, and that's a tactic that, you know, I, I wanted to bring up as kind of maybe we, we close out because we've already been wonderfully chatting for an hour, um, but to, you know, kind of the stop, start, accelerate things. What, uh, that's a, that's a strategy or a corporate method, I guess, that could come to a lodge. So do you guys know any other kind of from the corporate life practices or methods that could be thrown at a lodge that, uh, helps with their organization, their motivation of their members, etc.? I've heard the uh, the the exercise you're talking about, Bill. I've heard that as a rosebud thorn exercise. I'm sure, there's other other names for that, but that's trimming the trimming the rose, so to speak, right? So, um, keep the things that are working and making it grow, and then trim back the things that aren't and that uh, aren't meeting the the needs of the in this case the needs of the members. But yeah, I would just say that that's that's a wonderful exercise to do every year. And uh, the other thing I will mention on um, on the the annual visioning exercise, if you will, the BC Grand Lodge also does that when a new incoming um, Grand Master comes in, it's their job to set the tone for the year and set what their, their mission is as well. So I, I know it does happen outside of our local lodges as well, so. Sam, do you or Ed have any ideas? Go ahead, Sam, if you're ready. Oh, I don't, I just, I keep coming back to the, the manual, you know, the op <laughs> what, we've, what we've called both a policy manual or an operations manual. Um, uh, you know, I do think that it would be key, um, really helpful to have. So that that's something that I'm certainly hoping if I get the opportunity to be Noble Grand, I am hope that is kind of my mission will be to get that in place. Um, I just think it would be immensely useful going forward. Um, I've also Grand found the, uh, the Noble Grand playbook. Just the, the, the things that you have to do every year, the things you, you've never seen anybody do, but all happen. Um, yeah, not just for Noble Grand though, for, you know, for everyone, like for each position and for the members at large. Um, yeah, just a whole, all the stuff that happens, but that isn't written anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something, an, ex an explanation of Board of the Union <laughs> would be great. I just found out what Board of the Union is actually in a, its own, um, Entity, I did not realize that. Yeah, so some, yep. um, some something else I've been finding useful is is we're doing a lot. Um, you know, we're doing a lot with the inclusivity and diversity um, training and planning in the province right now, and I'm am finding that helpful for the for our belonging inclusivity and diversity committee work right now. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and some. I think we're doing some good things there in the province. Good. Yeah, I think that you know most stuff has been said already. I think that you know if, because we have limited energy and we are a volunteer organization, spend it on the stuff that you like doing and that needs to get done, and and not spend so much time on the other stuff um, that doesn't really need to be done and isn't really populated. And if you're going to put together 
you know, fundraisers and stuff, do, do it on fundraisers that you, you know, maybe they make a few dollars less, uh, but they are more fun and everybody's really rejuvenated and, and uh, you know, it, it helps uh, make your lodge thrive if it's stuff that people are really excited about. Um, and then you've got situations like the disc golf tournament where it's all the things above. It's a big money maker and it is super amazing. And it helps mm -hmm. uh, three lodges uh, get energized, not, not just one, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a great event. And, and, uh, and for sure, obviously manuals for the, for the different positions um, is it would be very helpful. Uh, something, you know, kind of brief to the point, but, but nails all the different things you need to do and uh and then uh you know we talked about the stability of, of secretary and financial uh secretaries because that that certainly will let land the stability but um but yeah i would say that absolutely with an organization like that if you're not having fun doing it the organizations will never thrive so i would say bottom line people have to be enjoying coming to the meetings getting involved in things uh, showing up and seeing each other. And uh, without that, it would be very hard to do everything else. Wow, great. Thanks. Well said. Yeah. Uh, so this is the moment in the interview where we give everyone a chance to give a give their lodge event or what they're doing a bit of a plug. Uh, so does, uh, I know Bastion has an event coming up. So I'll let you start with a plug for uh, your next event. Okay, Oktoberfest. It's uh, it's an event that was around when I started. Before I started, it was one of the first Odd Fellows events I ever attended. Um, this is just a, a much smaller scale, but um, you know we're only allowed to have fifty people max right now for an event, so um, that's what we're set at. Um, it's going to be members only, and um, everyone has to be double vaccinated. Vax vaccines will vac passports will be checked at the door um, but it's just going to be an opportunity for us to hang out and have some fun together and um, you know drink some drinks eat some brats Tara's going to be manning the kitchen making some making the bratwurst yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you have your uh, later hose yeah yeah <laughs> if you have your later hose or your journal you can uh, pull it out of the trunk and get it ready to go um yeah it's just hopefully going to be a, a very fun night of, of odd fellowship and and just just to fill in a couple blanks tickets are 20 bucks they're on sale <laughs> yeah. now it's food and it's two drink tickets i think right now sam yes and the food uh so there's, there's gonna be brats uh cooked in beer caramelized onions sauerkraut all the fixings um we're gonna have a couple little sides there and uh, some we're looking at some desserts as well. So we have a toy budget, but guess what? Potatoes and cabbage are cheap. So right. <laughs> there's going to be some tasty food. So not come for that. And some oom papa music. If you have a stein, bring a stein to drink out of. I think that'd be a good time. I have this old one that I inherited from my, well, inherited, they're still alive, but my parents passed on to me. <laughs> and it's, and if you look at the bottom, it's made in West Germany. That's how old it is. Mm. And it has a little lid. It has little people on the side, and the bottom is a music box. So I can crank, crank the little knob there, and it plays cheerful music whilst you drink your beer. It's a good oh. time. So bring us time. Fun. Coming just Thanks, for that. Tara. Yeah. And yeah, the tickets are on are on Eventbrite, um, and there there you do need a password for that. But that's on there's a there's a Facebook event, um, and it is being shared throughout the lodges. And we'll put it on the Modern Goat Rider. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Easy peasy. Ed, what's happening in Victoria One? Uh, Brother John Adams is planning something upcoming, but I don't think it's nailed the date. And I was just trying to find the details of it here, but I can't unfortunately find it. So you're going to have to stay tuned. I might be able to pass it along to you if I can Ooh, find is that the, the. Is that the paranormal uh, hall activity plus the Oddfellows town tour? The town tour, I think, is the John Adams part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so unfortunately, I don't have that here, uh, the, any of the details, but uh, that's upcoming. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, John's uh, Oddfellow Town Tour is excellent. I've been on it. Um, it's really cool. You learn a lot about the town of Victoria. John Adams is a historian, and he does ghost tours by mm -hmm. trade in the city. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully the paranormal in the hall thing could happen. Um, I know that that's being done in other halls in North America, and 
the glowing orbs flying around the room is is quite fun. And he's a member of V1. I don't know if that was mentioned, but he, he is, is he is an odd fellow, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, he also does occasionally, uh, although he doesn't have this plan, he goes to the cemetery and will do a walking tour of the Ross Bay Cemetery of, of uh, in the in the context of Oddfellows history. Just a treasure. That's an excellent excellent tour of that one. Yeah. And Jeff, what's going on in Columbia too? Really, you would know as well as I do. Uh, uh, of course, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but people hear us all the time. Uh, yeah, what, I want to hear your rendition of it. <laughs> um. <laughs> Lodge number two, you know, we're coming into the fall. Normally, we'd have a large poker tournament. We'd have the uh, the Tunnel Love campaign uh, through the Mustard Seed here in Victoria uh, to help um, build up funds to to fill up the food bank. And that's so that's the one uh, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good plug. Um, I don't believe the the poker tournament is is a thing this year, to my understanding. So we'll wait until post COVID times allow for uh, more fraternity on that respect. But. And I'm just excited about the Oktoberfest. I mean, you said you said beer, you said Stein, you said bratwurst. I'm I'm sold. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Yeah, guys. Wonderful having you as guests, and uh, I hope you uh, you continue to uh, drive uh, tight organization of volunteers performing to their highest potential in your lodges. That's good. Yeah, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, thank guys. you. Thanks, guys. Well, that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening, and thanks for uh, putting up with all that BC government speak that was uh, that was infested in that interview. We do thank Ed and Sam and Jeff for their great input, and we hope you can find ways to use it in your lodge. Tara and I will be back again soon, making more Oddfellows discoveries and seeing the Oddfellowship all around us. Cheers, NFLT.